1: The Lake Lunch with Blackstone Motors, Drahada Dundalk and Cavan. We have amazing offers available across the Renault, Dacia and Opel range, whether it is a petrol, diesel, LPG, plug-in hybrid or electric. We have the perfect
2: car for you. See blackstonemotors.ie Welcome along to The Late Lunch here on LMFM. We're here until half past three on this glorious day. It's 24 degrees and we are sweating. Well, It's actually quite cool in here, so we're lucky. But uh, if you're just joining us now, we'd love to hear from you. Our text number is 086-180-658. Before I start the show, we've got a big SOS. Um, there seems to be a massive shortage of buckets and spades. And not just that, fans. Fans is a big deal. Because actually, when I was on my way in this morning, I was saying you know, I really need to get a fan for my bedroom, a fan for my living room. Not just one fan, about three or four fans all around the house uh, if I can find some. And then, of course, we got a call in here to LMFM saying there are no fans. There's a shortage of fans. So if there's anybody out there who can tell us where we can get fans, plus buckets and spades. I'm not into inflatables. If you were listening to the show yesterday, I just think they're way too dangerous for the beaches. Uh, But buckets and spades in the sand is great. And fans, we could all do with a fan. I'd like one of those hand fans. Louise, do you have any of them? (laughs) Because I've seen people walking around with the little hand fans. They look really nice to put in your bag, don't they? I think, you know, there's one around the house that my mother-in-law gave my son. I must rob it off him. Do mm. and Robert for me. <laughs> <laughs> Not a every now and again. A fan, you. <laughs> yeah. <family down. laughs> a little diva. Uh, so, yes, if, if anybody knows where to get fans and buckets and spades, text us here on 086 1800 658. Now, coming up on the show today, we'll be speaking to the blogger behind One Foot in the Save on how to save and stay debt free. So, I think we'll all need a bit of that. Um, one mother will also talk to us about the financial pressures she. She faced after her partner's suicide, and this led her also to to build up a thriving business, and um, so a huge successful story out of heartbreak. There, um, author Martina Murphy will talk to us about her new crime thrilling book, *The Night Caller*. Now I'm really excited about this because I love crime and a music teacher who lost his job in COVID went on to make international headlines on CNN and all around the world for playing the cello in the wilds of the West and the public loved him so much that they actually paid for him to make an album. And we'll also hear how a referee gave an eight-year-old GAA mad fan his jersey. But first, blogger and compulsive saver Eamor Farrell who's behind the blog One Foot in the Save says she wants to retire early and she's paid off almost 30,000 of a debt in 18 months. Emer, you're some woman. <laughs> Thanks <for that. laughs> Thank you. What's the it's magic behind overnight. that? <laughs> 30 grand in 18 months. Fantastic. Uh, yeah. how, how did that all happen? I mean, let, let's go back to w- how you were growing up. I mean, were you a saver or a spender or were you just in between?
3: Oh, always, always spender. Uh, uh, you know, from the minute I started earning money, my very first job, I would spend it as quick as I got it. it. It definitely, it would either burn a hole in my pocket or then, you know, I almost had this thing where my account would have to be um check. I, I, I spent a lot, like everyone, you know, knew you know shoes or bags and all these things coming out and um I was most definitely a spender and you know over the years obviously there's you know the big things that we need to save for and I was okay at doing those you know if it was a an absolute necessity and um, but I never kind of developed any good habits around saving. Until um, just almost two years ago, so thankfully I changed my spendy ways.
2: Okay, so okay, so that's the burning question: How do you go from letting money burn a hole in your pocket, or as my mother would say, in one hand and out the other, and yeah. uh, <laughs> to saving? And you're a compulsive saver, so how does that happen?
3: Yeah, so I suppose I probably shocked myself into it. I I kind of reached a point where I got fed up. I got fed up of you know, feeling like I was always kind of thinking about money and, you know, hoping that I'd have enough or, you know, I'd be always right at the, you know, the maximum balance on my credit card and just kind of got fed up. And then the other thing I, I noticed was I was surrounded by stuff, so cluttered in the house, you know, bulging wardrobes, even the kitchen presses, you know, just full of just stuff and <laughs> things I didn't need. So I I shocked myself and decided to look at, Okay, I actually don't know where my money is going, really. I I know the big things get paid, you know, the mortgage, the bills, they all do get paid. But where is my money going? So what I did was I looked at my bank statements. So I looked at three months previous statements and went through line by line. Oh, "Oh, you're a brave woman.
4: You're (laughs) brave. (laughs)
3: it was definitely a brave moment but god I'm so glad I did it and because I was able to see okay well that's not a need that's not a need spending too much on that and and it was really just great to immediately almost see where I could make really quick savings and to be honest really big savings where I thought it would almost be impossible to to get on top of my money I, I realized that You know, by doing that and by seeing, okay, well, I'm wasting money in the supermarket or I'm paying for these subscriptions that I'm not using. So it it was actually quite quick to to do that first burst of of saving and making those quick wins, I suppose.
2: So it's, it's, it's about facing it, looking at it and dealing with it.
3: That's it really and and really is because for a long time you know I, I never let anything default or I always paid my bills but I also have never previously planned for the future or anything like that so it was kind of just you know stick my head in the sand, go along as normal, not different from anybody else that I you know would be with and um, it, it really was that kind of awakening moment where I went, OK, it, now I know where I am and, and what I can do. How do I maintain this? And, you know, how do I I, I, I honestly and, and this sounds awful now, but I didn't even know the total amount that I owed. So um, you mentioned at the start there almost 30,000 and that was from two credit cards, a personal loan and a car loan. Wow. And I couldn't have, have told you at that point how much that was. And um, so I needed to even just see, OK, well, how much do I need to, to save here to mm-hmm. become debt free and and to then start to make my money grow a bit?
2: And did you did you seek any sort of professional advice or did you, you know, did you look at an app or, you know, the way you can monitor? um I know Eddie Hobbs always said, keep a cash diary and write down everything you spend. And so did you seek anything like that to decide, OK, I need to save this amount and I need to spend this amount, you
3: know, how did you do it? So I suppose what I did myself was I created my own kind of planners and trackers, so first of all, to to work on, you know, OK, where was my money going? Then what I did was I created a, a budget, so I just do a monthly budget plan. And to say, okay, well, here is all the expenses. Here are the bills that need to get paid. Here are the, you know, the things like supermarkets, uh, clothes, those sorts of things. Here are the, you know, the kind of short-term savings I need for the month. Mm. And then everything else, let's plan and make sure that goes to debt. So, for me, I didn't seek any professional advice, but what I did do was I I looked at every single thing I was spending and said. Where do I go to find a better price for this? And and probably a good thing that I did was I, I moved my credit cards to um, a, another credit card where I was able to avail of 0% interest. Oh, good. So that really helped because mm. sometimes, you know, you're paying a lot of money and you're not seeing the balance go down all that much because of the interest. So that's a really huge help. And, you know, these things... You know, sometimes a professional, you know, is able to give you really clear-cut advice. But mm. a lot of this is just easily available if we just research, you know, online ourselves. Mm. So...
2: It is the Late Lunch and I'm Alison O'Reilly just I'll fly through a few texts here because we did have an SOS somebody was looking to find out where you would get fans Rooney's and Kells have fans but check before you go says one texter on 086 1800 658 plenty of buckets and spades in Kells Castle Elegance Doyles and Knickknacks and Declan and O'Brien's both in RD I don't know whether that's fans and buckets and spades or all three but you can check those um, we were speaking to Emer Farrell who's the blogger behind One Foot in the Save she went from a spend thrift to penny pincher i actually hate that word i hate saying that about people you were penny pincher but do you find yeah. <laughs> are you totally obsessed with money now or can you relax a little bit i mean will you will you have a little treat
3: oh, oh all the time i okay. mean and it's funny because <laughs> I, I used to think about money way more than i do now because i'd always be wondering you know what i have enough or yeah well you have a hold of it now that's it I, I have control now and mm. it's a really great feeling And so, yeah, oh, my God, I have a lot of treats and and I I wouldn't be able to, you know, keep with kind of my aggressive saving goals if Mm. I didn't, you know, if I was depriving myself. So I just budget for them. Like I'll have a a line to make sure I have enough if I need makeup Mm. or if we need to come out for meals and all those sorts of things. Yeah. Definitely not, not, depriving in any way, um, and
2: lots of treats. Yeah, well, do you know? I suppose that the main tips for people. I mean, you're probably not a fan of car loans. I'm sure the Visa card is long gone. I got rid of mine about 15 years ago. I would never get a car loan, but I come from a home where my dad's a mechanic, so you're just not allowed a new car. As long as it gets you from A to B, who cares?
3: Um, so, there's, so,
2: so, car loans and and things like that. What would you? What's the big no no?
3: I suppose for me it'd be you know years ago we were able to you know we'd save for something big you know we we needed a car we'd save for it or Mm. um you know a new kitchen we'd save for it but now you know we can get everything on credit so i think for for us all like if we think um you know well can i do i really need this you know new thing whether it's the kitchen or the car or even something like clothes you know do i need it right this minute or could I save myself some money by actually saving up my own money for it over the next period of, you know, whether it's a year or six months, whatever it might be? And and could I save money by not actually giving the banks the interest and keeping that bit for myself? And and it, it does two things. You know, you're saving the, the bit of extra money, but you're also kind of, you, you've more, I suppose, more value then associated with that new person purchase and you feel a a sense of pride and in the kind of delayed gratification of, of saving up for it the big items
2: And Emo, can I ask you now I'm not asking you to tell me what you do for a living you don't have to share that with me if you don't want to but I mean I mean, are, are you on a good salary to be able to do this because there would be people listening now who are, have been through the whole pandemic who have no money and it's it's even more difficult yeah. for them but there are basics whether you've loads of money or very little money there are basics to saving
3: yeah, exactly. And yeah, for me, I, I'm a supposed middle of the road income. Mm. Um, I work in, as a software tester. And, you know, for me at a time, I thought, okay, I'm not paid enough money. I don't have enough. There's no way I can pay everything and save and, you know, invest and all those things until I took control and realized, oh, I actually can. Mm. Um, but while I was doing that, it, there's also ways of maybe bringing in a little extra income as well. So, you know, a, a lot of people in, and um, certainly on Instagram we'll be talking about side hustles and you know just little things you can do They could be online surveys it could be mystery shopping various different things to just supplement an income whether it's you know cut for you know a long period of time or whether there's just a month where maybe you have a lot of expenses such as back to school mm-hmm. or things like that and um, so yeah I think you know it, it isn't the somebody could be earning you know 200 grand Mm. and need to spend 195 grand but then somebody could be earning 40 grand and only need to spend 20 so i think it's really about what you do and you know with the money coming in not necessarily the you know, always the amount of money.
2: Yeah. Well, I, I know that Rod Stewart, who's a multimillionaire, checks his bank balance every single day. So there you go. That's why he's a multimillionaire. But before you go, Eber, <laughs> before you go, just you're planning to, to retire early. And, and is that it then? Will you, you know, will, will you have enough to retire, do you think?
3: Yeah. So, I mean, it, it's certainly a goal at the moment. and And all it means is that we're not wasting money on the way to to get that goal. So mm. if, you know, all our investments work out as planned, um, we, we should be able to to do it and take a lot of years off our retirement. Um, and, you know, if it's a couple of years later, then that's fine too. We won't have any regrets, I suppose, is the big thing. Um, and the, the early retirement is really just about... You know, I said there I have control over my money, but mm. with working full time, we don't have control over our time. So yeah. that's really what we what we want to gain, and um, uh, and hopefully it might even mean you know taking some time off work, or you know mm-hmm. s- some element of of having a break from work and having control over her time
2: fantastic yeah brilliant stuff well look I mean it's super interesting to hear this stuff because everybody goes through a phase in their life of having no money whether you've you know you've overspent or you get yourself into an awful state it causes all sorts of problems so one foot in the safe blog is your, your super blog and all the ideas and everything there and all your story is there um, thanks very much Eamor Farrell for coming on to the late lunch to share your tips and your brilliant story and I wish you all the best in reaching those goals I know you will
3: <laughs> that's great. Thank you so much, and thanks a lot.
2: <laughs> all right, my love. You take care. Thanks a million for joining us. And that's a fantastic story there. Um, I just know, like, certainly me, years ago, I would have had the credit card. Jeez, I was awful. Like, I was just like, spend, 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 spend. And you see, moving to Dublin and all the big shops and everything, the temptation is there. And I mean, you really do talk yourself into thinking you need this. I need this. I absolutely need this and you don't. And I think the the main thing is to kind of have a little chat with yourself, and actually just take a break and say to yourself, "Do I though? Do I?" Because I've loads of clothes that I've bought over the years, and I've always c- tried to kind of wash them delicately and keep things. So I don't really have a lot of new stuff. <laughs> so I think it's really about taking care of what you have, and uh, you only need so much clothes, don't you? Really. And um, I like good makeup. Uh, I rarely go out these days. Well, we can. None of us can. But I think it's really important to have. Have a chat with yourself and just you know consider what you're doing, but anyway, there's that's that's my, my two cents worth. We'll uh, head to news and sport and we'll speak to you after then. The Lake Lunch with Blackstone Motors, Drahada Dundalk, and Cavan. Welcome back to The Late Lunch with me, Alison O'Reilly. I'd love to hear from you, so keep the texts coming in. Still to come on the show, of course, we'll have Martina Murphy talking to us about her crime-thrilling book, The Night Caller. And Patrick Dexter is going to tell us about how he was playing the cello in the field after he lost his job as a music teacher. He was picked up on CNN and now the public are paying for him to make his first album. So great stuff coming up on the show later on. But now our next guest has had an extremely difficult few years and as a mother of four, she was left in a devastating Situation when her husband tragically ended his own life. And back then, despite the heartbreak and suffering that she was feeling at the time. Around then as well, you had to pay for things because insurance don't don't weren't paying out for somebody after they um, die by suicide. Stacey was in the situation where she was forced to go to Saint Vincent de Paul for help because she was the stay-at-home mom and he was the main bread earner in the house. Uh, but sh- but through sheer grit and determination, after losing almost everything, she built up an award-winning candle business. And she's here to tell us more. Stacey, how? Are are you? Hi Alison, how are you? What an incredible story if to come out of something so painful. I mean, suicide is just a, just a terrible thing to happen in anyone's life.
5: Yeah, it's horrendous. It's, it's uh, very final. Yeah. And um, there's no answers really to your questions. So it's, it's just, it's not something I would ever, ever like to see anybody going through and it happens every day, unfortunately.
2: Oh, right, there isn't a person in this country who's not affected by it.
5: Exactly. There, there's there's one in every family, as you say.
2: And I mean, there's still, despite all the awareness and the fantastic organisations around the country, like so sad here in Drogheda as well, that do incredible work. Pieta House, and um, there's still a terrible stigma, isn't there?
5: There's huge stigma, and I think it is nearly in. It's nearly an Irish thing that men have to be. Well, it's it's per se, it's men and women who commit suicide, but it's more in in men.
2: Mm.
5: Um. It's just they have this thing of they're raised to be a man, a, a boy. Men don't cry. Mm. Um, men are supposed to suck it up, get on with it, look after their families or whatever they have to do. Um, mm. It's really, it's very one-sided. I, I know, as we say, if I need to speak to somebody, I talk out. I don't care who's listening.
0: Um,
5: yes, yeah, same as me. I, I would talk and say, I would talk to a donkey. Like, yeah. But um, as for men, it's, they're really, really bottled up because it's not a manly thing to do to actually open up and let out these emotions.
2: No, and you didn't, I mean, uh, around that time, Stacey, I suppose you've asked yourself this a million times because unfortunately when something like that happens, there's an awful lot of self-blame and there shouldn't be. But when you're looking back, are you wondering, oh God, I didn't see this and I didn't see that. Were there any signs? I mean, it's easy. 2020 vision is retrospective, isn't it? No, it's there
5: wasn't at the time, but when you think back a year or two later, but oh, he done such a thing. Mm. Maybe that was something. It, it's just, mm. as I said, everything's very final. You can never get your answers. Yeah. But um, no, we were after coming back from uh, Portugal on the Saturday. Uh, we were. He was after asking me to marry him in Portugal, and then on the Wednesday he took his own life. Now there was. He had a fantastic job. We had a home. We had children. He had a brand new car in the yard. It was fairy tale, if you want to call it, for working class people.
2: Mm.
5: And um,
2: there's it, nothing really obvious.
5: No, That's he just... was always smiling in photos and mm. um, posting on Facebook that he was happy as Larry, and we didn't know any different. Um, he did say it to me though, when we had met years ago, now he was really into his his boys' cars and doing up these these lovely cars, and mm. um, he always said to me for some strange reason. I never took it into account until he had died, but he said, "I will be." passed away by the time I'm 25. And I just put two and two together and got five and presumed that this was, he could be in an accident because he likes to Mm. drive faster. It just wasn't putting it into the, to what he actually done.
2: Yeah, he was, yeah, he he had decided probably, and you see, this is the thing. Yeah, Yeah, this is the thing about suicide. Like, you just don't know. You just do not know.
5: Like, by the time he had actually passed away, there was a 24-page A4 suicide letter. So it was not done overnight. Wow. Um it was going back to back to his childhood three things that happened to him in his childhood and stuff that again we wouldn't have known about because they don't speak about.
2: It. Yeah. Yeah. So
5: it was i keep that inside now, or or I can't say that to some because I look like I'm a wussy or silly things, but
2: And it I just can, all built up yeah, and That's very hard, Stacey. So there was a note and all, and you were left to read this and oh, in, in all of your own devastation. See, they, yeah. a lot, see, people who end their own life, I mean, I'm, I'm no expert and I don't claim to be, but, you know, they really do believe this is the right thing for, for everybody.
5: Yeah, and I, I do believe, though, as well, that I think that somebody who is taking their own life is already gone. Um, hmm. I, as a parent and a mother, as I'm sure other parents and mothers and fathers, when, when you're thinking of something that's going to harm you, the first thing that comes into your mind is your children.
3: Mm.
5: I can't for one minute believe because he absolutely adores children. I can't believe for one minute that he knew what he was doing that day. No. I do believe he was already gone and having this letter wrote out and everything done like he even had a trust fund set up for the children I knew nothing about. So It's It's just—it's
2: devastating. I mean, I've—I've spent an awful lot of time with Pieta House discussing this and the build-up, and I mean, it's a whole process of crisis in your head, alarm bells, fear, fright, and flight. Not discussing it with anyone, and you're gone so far that you're in a terribly dangerous zone. Yeah, and and nobody knows.
5: Yeah, it it was just like even the day it happened and everything. Like we were away, and um, I was helping because we help out with motorcycle racing. my mum and my little sister, who was eleven at the time, actually passed him on the road and didn't know it was him. And um, so they had full vision of him when it had happened, and I didn't actually find out until I went onto Facebook that I had seen. And I was reading these rest in peace signs and notices, which I I I'm not that fond of Facebook anymore after mm-hmm. all that. Mm-hmm. But um. It was just—it was horrendous because we were in. It was on the RT News in the evening. It was on all the local newspapers. It was on all the radios. And I was sitting, trying to listen and take all this in mm. while holding these children.
0: My God, trying
5: to to be strong for them because I was—I was really crumbling. It oh. was just.
2: Oh my God, I can't—I can't imagine four small children and a very young husband and trying to—and you're—you're expected to be this superwoman.
5: Yeah, basically, and it was. Like I have to say I had to go to doctors afterwards I was on antidepressants because I needed that help and that mm. boost because I knew I needed to be healthy and well for my children
2: absolutely I mean you have to do what you have to do there's you just whatever you need to do do it because there's no right or wrong when it comes to dealing with grief and no. shock shock is is a huge thing a yeah. sudden death is i mean a death of a young person itself is Desperate, but a sudden death is. I mean, you must have been in shock for I don't know how long. And in that shock, you're trying to mind children, manage, you realise you've no money to deal with all of these things. And uh, I, I, Stacey, I don't know how you did that.
5: Just sheer determination to be a parent to my children. Mm-hmm. I, I was all they had left. Yeah. Um, and that's the way, like, even the way I see it is. Ugh, it's horrendous what he's done, but I still have to go on. My life goes on.
2: Of course, I yeah.
5: I to be for them. Now, I did end up taking them and wrapping them in cotton wool mm-hmm. and bubble wrap and everything that nobody could get near these mm-hmm. children. Mm-hmm. So it was a kind of a placebo effect where I then ended up myself with um, hypochondria. Yeah. Um, I was in and out of counsellors for that because I was terrified that mm-hmm. something happened to me these children were going to be left orphans. Now, that's not the case. But sure, but, but your anything
2: being... could have happened, Stacey. I mean, you could have started drinking or anything. Like, you just, you just don't know what way you'd react exactly. to something like that. And Like, I mean, hypochondria, so what? You know, I mean, yeah. that's how you dealt with it.
5: <laughs> it was bad at the time. And, like, sometimes still I'd be very, there's different things that the children will do or there are different occasions or, like, communions and stuff is, very, very hard mentally.
2: Um, oh yeah, birthdays and everything. Mm. I just
5: because I have to go down to the grave and they get a photo with their dad oh. on his gravestone.
2: That's so very hard.
5: I have to take that for my own peace and for them to know that yes, mum did try when we were mm. older to still keep dad in our lives and yeah. Younger, sorry,
2: yeah, because that that's their father and he was yeah. very, very unwell and I think. You know, there's a, there's a terrible stigma in terms of people saying, God, that was very selfish. No. He was unwell. You are unwell when you do something like that. When you decide this is the only way, then, you know, something has brought you down that road and you can't see anything. You're unwell and I have nothing but sympathy for the person who feels that's the only way out. And then for the ripple effect afterwards, it's just so unbelievably heartbreaking.
5: Seven months, she, the youngest baby, she was seven months old. She has absolutely zero recollection of her dad. Yeah, see,
2: um, that's very one. hard for you.
5: Yeah. And the only way it is, is that we have a picture in the house. Now, I have moved on, but we have a picture in the house. He's spoken about daily. Um, mm. I know there is going to be time when the questions come mm-hmm. um, as to why, how and whatever. Now, we have told them to a certain extent what happened but not the gory details and um, mm. there's no need children don't need
2: to know that's all yeah. age appropriate yeah, yeah. i mean um, it, yeah and that's their identity i mean he's he's part of their identity a huge part yeah. and it's very important but you you found yourself in a terribly i mean apart from the devastation and the emotional impact and the reaction to it all financially as well this was a massive issue for you
5: overnight we had nothing and um, we went from uh, Wednesday morning to having everything to Wednesday evening where, where am I going to get my bread? Um it was horrific. I ended up now, there was a bit there to get us by, but by the time, say, come Christmas, when I was trying to do Santee, trying to do the other little bits and pieces and presents for everybody else or whatever, um, I had to go to St. Vincent de Paul. I had no other option. I, I was either going to buy stuff that was needed in necessity
2: Look, Stacey, you had to go, and that's yeah. it. That's and what it's fantastic. there for.
5: Well, fantastic, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And, like, anything I do now, I would always be number one, if I'm giving anyone anything, would be St. Vincent de Paul, Yeah, they're yeah. Brilliant.
2: brilliant, brilliant.
5: yeah. Like, I didn't even have to, I went in and I had to ask for a um, food voucher thing, and then at Christmas, they actually landed in my yard, saying Happy Christmas with a hamper of food.
2: I'm so sorry that happened to you. And I'm sure it happens to loads of families. Oh, yeah,
5: yeah. But you the, the, don't see this you don't yeah. you don't hear the side mm. of it and and the financial burden is actually on par with the grief yeah um because your financial your grief and your finances also mm. and where are you going to feed your children how are you going to get them to their activities or it's just it's a it's a circle and it's a vicious circle
2: and i think people don't talk about that enough the mm. fact that there's a financial implication
5: yeah and it's like it's huge because on top of that you have funerals to pay for. Mm. you have like, his funeral was was quite substantial. Of but, course, yes, yes. Um, it is when you don't have that actual money coming in every week. That's mm. the way it was. And, like, to be going on a kind of a widow's pension at 24 years old was mm. another strange thing. Um,
2: and then your children jumping out of all their clothes. Yeah, yeah. We have a texter in here saying, my heart goes out to Stacey, shows us the fragility of life and the importance of asking for help. Um yeah. But Stacey, you survived, and you're continuing to survive. You turned it around, and of course, that heartbreak will never leave you, and that all the questions for your children, and it's, it's learning to live with suicide, really. But you pulled it together, and you set up your own business. Tell us about that.
5: Yeah, it was <laughs> strange. It's
2: hugely love, inspiring.
5: I absolutely love um, art and craft and design and. Wedding, <laughs> yeah. but if my own wedding wasn't as extravagant, and now I'm looking at others and I wish I kind of done that. But anyway, um, I was being a bridesmaid for my friend, and she said to me, "Would you have, a, um, would you try and do a candle?" And I was like, "How am I supposed to do a candle? I'm not thinking, putting two or two together." Mm. But anyway, I uh, YouTube's how to do it, and amazing YouTube is. But um, I ended up I done it, and I actually loved now I don't know whether it was for her because it was my best friend or just I loved doing it and at the same time then I was because I, I adore weddings I adore everything about them and um, I started to do more and more and the candles then the invitations and then I ended up going into awards and winning the awards
3: wow
5: um, see my reason to start it really was I needed to have a, a rainy day fund the
2: well it's a candle of hope isn't it out of yes. something so dark came something so bright
5: yes and the thing is again going back to the whole thing if something happened to me they need something yeah. they need to have a float they need to have that I can be they're not going to have to be taken and paying fees for things that she shouldn't be
2: saying. And it'd be so understandable, Stacey, if you couldn't get back on your feet again, but you did. You got back on your feet, you turned all that pain into something hugely creative and a hugely successful business, all for the love of your your children. But it's also a beautiful job that you have. Candles like
3: fabulous.
5: They're just, they're they're so special and they're so um, intimate and they're very personal and I take a huge pride in what I do, as in I've even had um, parents that were getting married that lost their children and mm. they have their actual handprints and footprints on the candles that they can light on the day. And it, it, it's just so much meaning behind them. And I have as well for Niall, his own cell candles that's lit every anniversary. And yeah. Do you, do like you think, wrong. Stacey,
2: he inspired some of this?
5: Yeah, I do. I do, but I believe everything happens for a reason. Mm. Now, what happened to him was just horrendous. But there was, there was life and light behind
2: it. Well, what happened to you and your children was horrendous and his family and friends and loved ones. How are you now, Stacey? Because, I, mean, you've, you've, I mean, you've really turned it around, but that pain will always be there.
5: Yeah, it, it doesn't go. And there, there is some days still 10 years later where I hear a song or I get a smell or mm-hmm. something. And I, it will trigger me for a whole day. I'll be just a, a mess. Basically, I'm not thinking straight and then I go into why. And because there's so many stages of grief that you go through them all the time. Mm. It's not just that, right, you will have people who say, "Ah, oh, sure, it was 10 years ago. You knock not get on with it, it's, it's done.
2: Oh, no, sure, he's in your children and everything.
5: It's not how it works. And one of my children is actually, it's just him in a female version. So
3: it's, oh,
5: she's goodness. identical to him. It's like looking at him every day. and So he is still here and there is days where, Even the children may get a bit upset, and I just Mm. have to say, look, Dad's watching you. He's very proud of you, and we just get on again with the day. We can't sit and gloat, or but you will get days where it's it's very hard.
3: Of course,
2: it is. Tell me, tell me where, tell our listeners where we can get these gorgeous candles. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) to try to Facebook.
5: (laughs) I have a, a Facebook page and. Um, you'll actually see a lot of memorial stuff on the page for different families, but um, it's Wogan Secrets, so um, I have a website as well um, where you can also see and look at everything, and I have an Instagram, again, Wogan Secrets, so it's all fairly simple, but there's a lot of... um,
2: Beautiful, there is a lot of stuff yeah, lovely yeah. stuff there. Stacey, thank you so much for coming on to the show and thank telling you. us that hugely brave story and uh, big love to yourself and your children and uh, continued success with an incredible, incredible new job and business. Well done to you. Thank you very much. Thank, thank you. you, thank, you that's, <laughs> thank you, Stacey. That's Stacey there. Wow, what a story. I mean, that is so heartbreaking, but also so inspiring. You're listening to The Late Lunch and we'll be back after this. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors Drahada Dundalk and Cavan Phil Collins there in the air tonight I always love that song <laughs> myself <laughs> and Louise just talking about the big gorilla <laughs> the Cadbury's chocolate ad no I shouldn't ruin the song now it's a it's a brilliant song now don't forget uh, this week's Saturday sets is it's the final week on the Facebook gigs and we've a fantastic series closer for you this weekend with the brilliant Zoe Conway and John McIntyre Zoe and John are some of Ireland's most gifted musicians and on Saturday night they'll treat you to the very best in traditional and folk music that's Saturday sets with Zoe Conway and John McIntyre Live this Saturday from 9pm on the LMFM Facebook page. And keep an eye on that page because there's loads of things happening. And also on the um, website as well. It is, of course, the Late Lunch with me, Alison O'Reilly. And I'd love to hear from you if you want to send a text in to me on 086-1800-658. Coming up after the break, Martina Murphy's going to be there and she's going to be telling us about her fantastic crime thrilling book The Night Caller so we'll be back after this Welcome back to The Late Lunch and still to come on the show we're going to speak to a cellist who ended up on CNN after he took to the wilds of the West and played a cello in a field and the people loved him so much that they're going, the public are going to pay for his first album. Uh, but before that, award winning author Martina Murphy has a wide selection of writing behind her, including courtroom dramas, plays, poetry and features for newspapers. Just loads and loads and loads there. Um, her new book is called The Nice Caller and it's a crime thriller based on the death of a popular school teacher in Ackle. And Martina's on the line now. Martina, how are you? I'm good. Thanks Amelia. Thanks for having me on. Oh no, you're very welcome to the late Aww. lunch. Uh this looks like a fantastic book. Um tell us a bit about it. It's out now.
1: Yeah, it's out now. It was out on last Thursday. Mm. And it's in all the shops and hopefully signed copies are around the place. Lovely. And um, it's basically um it's a police procedural, which means it's it kind of follows a police investigation Mm. into the murder of this uh, school teacher whose body is found on the bog on Ackle. And it kind of follows um, Detective Sergeant Lucy Golden as she kind of uh, attempts to uncover who the kind of culprit is. And it kind of goes into her life as well. So it's kind of thrilling and chilling, but there's also humour there as well Mm. because, you know, a lot of detectives have, you know, um, a life outside the force as well. So, yeah. So that's it,
2: and um, that—that's the sure. bit. That's the bit we don't really hear about much. I mean, it's really only—I don't know if you watched *The Wire* and the extraordinary lives of all the police in that uh, uh, yeah. show. It was incredible. We—we we don't really get to see the insight and get an insight into, um, you know, police and guardy. We just think you know they're—they're they're superhuman. They're able to do all of these things, and you know they've—they've no feelings and they—they they don't hurt and they're not a mess and they don't make yeah. mistakes. It's all that kind of thing. And um, Dr. Lucy Golden has our. Uh, Detective uh, Lucy Golden, she's actually trying to prove herself, isn't she?
1: She is. Um, what happened? It comes early on enough in the book, but her husband actually um, is in jail, um, and she, you know, was married to him for some time and didn't realise that he was doing the crimes that he was doing. So he was he was put in jail. So that happened kind of at the start. And that kind of happens, that you know, that's how she, why she wants to prove herself. So she's kind of moved sideways in the force then and given sort of uh, demotion, I suppose, and sent off down west where nothing ever happens, mm. uh, really, you know, down the west of Ireland. Well, so until, she,
2: of course, there's a murder. Until, of course, there's a murder, <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> and that's a massive deal. Why did you pick Ackle?
1: Uh, do you know what? I started writing it um, kind of when COVID hit, really. Nice. Right. And... Um, There's no, well, there's a couple of reasons. The first is that I was with my husband in Ackle and I have been going over the years to Ackle and I love it. Mm. And there was one um, particularly awful day. We we travelled over, travelled over on the bridge into Ackle Sound and the rain was sleeting down and as it does over there quite frequently. And uh, we were driving along and then the sun started to poke out and it was just kind of a very eerie landscape. There was nothing in front of us it was like we were the only people in in the world or something mm. so i just said to him do you know what if i was writing a murder i would write it here and that it kind of took shape from that right and then during covid of course to set it on ackle in my head and just to go up to the writing room every day and just be on ackle island um was just it was great it got me through actually the last year i think just you know sort of uh Sort of, rather, you know, the way you can only look at your four walls. And you yeah, and it keeps you limits. focused.
2: Yeah, and you're surrounded it by. You yeah, it, it certainly gives you plenty of material. Um, I I've been to Achill and it's it's a stunning place. It's but stunning, as you yeah. say, yeah, you
1: can't see two inches in front of your face when it's dark. Not when it's bad. No, oh. not when the weather's bad. And you know, um yeah. So that's it. And it's and it's that vast tracks of bog and. You know, um, then the height of the cliffs and the sh- sheerness and the and the width of the one of the you know uh, Kea Beach and you know everything is just it's a, on a, a small island but everything on it is big. And you of course, I mean. and and, right. people, and you know, the,
2: the, it's a small community as well, so they probably don't engage as much. Imagine uh, being a detective walking around there. Where were you on this night? Who were you yeah. talking to? Uh,
1: oh, I'm saying nothing. You know? <laughs> I know. That's it, exactly. Yeah. And so that's why Lucy actually is sent, because she is from ACL originally. Mm. So they kind of figure she's a local and she'll do well down there. Yeah. They all know her, you know, and. Um, so, but yeah, I mean, there is there is all that too. She talks about like how everybody knows everybody and, yeah. you know, that kind of thing, yeah.
2: And of course, it, the, the, there's also a link, isn't there? Because the, the body is found in an abandoned property. So that's linked to another murder, that pers- yeah, particular
1: Yeah, well, there's one body found in the bog initially at the start of the book. And then, um, then they find another body which... Um, has a link, and they, they manage, you know, they, they have to try and link, like, if the, their investigation leads them to this property, but they don't quite know how this body fits in with what they've already found. So they need to find a link, um, you know, and it's, uh, that's kind of the in the way the investigation unravels, really. That's how, you know, it, it kind of... Uh, what's the word it, it, you know that's how the investigation gets solved yeah uh, there's loads you know, of loads of twists and turns
2: are you happy yeah. with it yourself i mean you know sometimes you write a book you're like hmm i could go back there and how do you feel now it's out Oh, I'm just, I'm
1: actually thrilled. I mean, the thing about it is it was a, it was hard enough to write because it was my first police procedure, so there was an awful lot to learn about oh, police yeah, procedure yeah. <laughs> um you know, I mean, there's like rules for everything like when you can arrest someone, mm. you know the re, you know cautioning them before you question them oh and getting
2: getting somebody into court hangs on all of oh, these yeah. procedures, yeah.
1: Yeah, so you need to know all that without it overloading the book. Mm, mm-hmm. So you need to kind of have a good. You need to know more than you need to know mm-hmm. for writing the book. Yeah, so you're confident in what you write. So yeah, no, so I think I did that well. I think I, you know, a lot. You know, I'm happy because a lot of people have come back to me and said, "Oh, I kept me up all night, I was turning the pages, yes. and that's all you want when you write a book." You yeah. just want people to say that, you no, know, it's, it's fantastic. So it has been said, so yeah. I'm glad, you
2: know. Yeah. No, absolutely yeah. brilliant work, Martina. Um, oh, delighted you. for you now. I mean, you're in, you're into the twenties now, aren't you? With the books? Oh my god, twenty one. Oh yeah. my god, first
1: novel. Yeah, but, <laughs> well done. You know, it has been all about different things. So. Yes, <laughs> yeah. There's a yeah. wide
2: range there. Well, look, the Night Caller is out now. It's by Martina Murphy, and Martina, thanks very much for joining us and here on the Thank you, having me. Not thank at all. You. You're very welcome. Uh, we're going to take a break now, and when we come back. We'll be speaking to Patrick Dexter, a cellist who ended up on CNN. Welcome back to the late lunch of a text in here. I have great memories of ackle Island. Sounds like my next summer uh, and loves the book and uh, bookshops there. That's a text in on 086 1800 658 and that's in relation to Martina Murphy, the author of The Night Caller who was on just before the break. Now our next guest lost his work uh, like so many of us and he was a music teacher so for the love of his cello and his music, he took to the field and began to record himself in the wild west uh, and put himself up on youtube he never thought in a million years that he'd get millions of hits all across the world and uh, the public loved him so much that they've donated money to help patrick dexter record his album and he's on the line now patrick how are you
4: Hello, how are you? Thanks so much for having me. Oh,
2: great to have you here on The Late Lunch on LMFM. Patrick, these videos of you, I mean, people just absolutely took them into their heart and soul, didn't they? And it was really just a natural love of music and you wanted to play it in this idyllic setting.
4: Yeah, the response was absolutely outstanding. I, I could not have ever expected there to be, as you said, millions of people around the world who wanted to watch the simple recipe of me playing my cello outside my home here in county mayo uh it has been just a a, well an amazing experience unexpected experience but also also just like an eye-opening experience to to during this difficult time we've had last year to know Mm. how important music is Mm. for all of us and how, how powerful it can really be and how it can uh get people's hearts, touch their hearts, anyone from around the world uh, in such a phenomenal way. It's been uh, an amazing experience.
2: And the videos are so beautiful. And as you said yourself, like musicians, look, the world has been hammered in this pandemic. Uh, Thankfully, us as journalists um, and radio presenters have managed to keep our jobs going, which, you know, journalism is one thing that is under serious threat. And then suddenly, Leo Varadkar said we were essential workers. So we've been so blessed. But I've seen how the music industry has been totally battered live music is gone you know music is so important in our everyday life and so you just did what you did I mean it was so beautiful what you did but to become an overnight sensation must have been just blindsided you
4: so it it did take me by surprise but you know the more it's sort of sank in now Mm -hmm. and the more I think about Mm -hmm. it the more I realise what has been happening in this last year with regards music and this goes for a lot of the creative arts like as you said it's been so difficult there's mm. been this time where just the bottom has dropped out of this whole industry um but at the flip side we have this 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 dynamic of two things going on. on one side this huge challenge but at the same time there has been this amazing response from people Uh, who have shown, more than ever, I feel, how important music really Mm -hmm. is to them. You know, people from the public, people who listen to music. Music lovers like myself um, have, have poured onto the internet and other places to say that we value music. Music mm-hmm. is important. Music is one of the things that has helped us get through this difficult year. Mm-hmm. So it's, this, it's been this, uh, I feel like I've been in the middle of this uh, strange dynamic that's been working out the last year. At the one hand, it seems like music uh, is not valued in the way that it's been so difficult for creative artists to continue their livelihood this, livelihood this last year. But at the other side, there's been this outcry and and I've, I've experienced it myself, messages from people all over the world saying music is what keeps us going. Music is so important to us. Please let's continue and support music.
2: Oh, listen, I mean, it's, it's, it's so important. It's a fantastic outlet. It's, you know, it's part of who you are. Um, and how has things sank in with your family in, <laughs> over in the West? Are they like, uh, hello, what happened here? Or are they like you? It's sunk in now.
4: Well, it is certainly a, a bit of a surprise, uh, for my family to tune into, you know, BBC or CNN and, and, and see my face on it. Mm-hmm. I think it still takes, uh, people by surprise. Um, certainly, I don't know that uh, in, in where I live in the west of Ireland, like, Everyone, everyone knows someone who's in the paper basically you know it feels like everyone's famous so it doesn't often make a difference someone says oh I saw you there in the paper and they say oh I'm sure wasn't my cousin there as well beside you because he was on the football team that won uh, some match you know it feels like uh, it's not such a novelty in the countryside I feel in Ireland to to be a celebrity because I feel everybody is in their own way
2: yeah and of course they'll take you down a peg or two as well if you get too big for your boots <laughs>
4: That's Absolutely, like the yeah.
2: Irish way anyway um, but uh, uh, about the cello I mean when did you first pick it up when did you fall in love with it?
4: So I've been playing cello I mean most of my life really you know I grew up in a family a big family seven kids in our family all playing music my dad's a musician and we all had our own instrument and yeah the cello was the one that I was given from a young age from about seven or eight I started playing it seriously and uh, yeah I've played it ever since it's a a very important part, not just of what I love to do, make music, the cello, but it's also an important part of my life. I'm looking up at the instrument now here beside me. It, uh, yeah, it's it's just been this sort of like a friend that's always been there for me. You know, I spent time living and working abroad. And I know every time I would come back to be reunited with my cello, it would be like, yeah, seeing an old friend. It's, uh, it's, it's always been this important part of my life. It that's continues fantastic.
2: To be. Yeah. And so the, the public loved you so much. They wanted to help you make an album. How's that
3: going?
4: Yeah so this this harks back to what I was saying a moment ago uh, people have shown I've experienced people showing how much they value music and mm. people are aware that musicians like myself uh who you know for example I supported myself by teaching Mm. and when all the schools and everything was uh, closed suddenly uh, there was no work there so but people are aware of this and people Mm. reach out to me from all the world uh, from all around the world and especially Irish people who live abroad Mm. they were some of the most generous people and they said look we want to support and continue uh, support and help you continue what you're doing and when I when I reached out to people and said look well something that I've always wanted to do all my life since I was a little seven-year-old yeah. cellist in my playing for my grandparents. Uh, I wanted to make an album, to make a recording of my playing. And so I reached out to people who have been sending messages of support and said, look, would you like to contribute? And wow, just the response was amazing. People have uh, fully supported and funded the making of this album, which is underway, um, which I hope to share with the world in, in not too long, in, in a few months' time.
2: Very good, Patrick. And are you back working?
4: So... Work came on and off last year, mm-hmm. um, as you know, as as music schools and things opened and mm-hmm. closed. I am fortunate now to to have have work going again, but it's. Uh Certainly, that my main jobs that I would have been doing. I used to teach in primary schools, you know, um, mm. trying to get kids excited to excited about music from a young age. That is all. Uh, still, they don't have those kind of teachers. It's very difficult under the current situation yeah. uh, with how the schools are done. They do an amazing job in the school, but to have external teachers come in and do classes is very difficult. So, no, that is I have not. Uh, that has not been restored. Um, so unfortunately
2: I'm sorry to hear that now Patrick but I you know I think it is just so important what you said there musicians and not being able to do what they love and entertaining the public you know engrossing themselves into something that they love and that's just been cut off for them is very very difficult it's a really important topic and a really important discussion I know lots of TDs are up hammering the doll or or giving out stink about it in the doll but uh, Patrick where can our listeners find your
4: music? So currently I am yet to uh, release this, my first album to come out. So uh, you will not find me on streaming platforms. You will not find me anywhere uh, to to buy at the moment. But you can share in the performances that I give Mm -hmm. regularly here from my home, my cottage in the West of Ireland, by going on to YouTube uh, or on any of my social media accounts. Anybody who's listening now, I ask you to to follow on on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, and you'll see the the simple performances that I share every few days uh, from my home. Lovely. And you're welcome to watch them for for absolutely nothing. And um, if you want to listen to the music that I have and support by you know buying me the price of a cup of tea or something like that, you can go to my Patreon page. So that's um, www.patreon.com www.patreon, P a t or e o n. dot com forward slash Patrick Dexter and that is the way that as you may know already so many musicians and artists are able to continue doing what they do because of people supporting and it's just a little bit uh, support you can give each month but it makes a big difference to be able to continue doing what we do.
2: It certainly does Patrick we're going to listen to uh, The Parting Glass now by yourself and thanks very much for joining us on The Late Lunch Mamma Mia (laughs) Were you a fan of Mamma Mia Louise? I'll tell you, I wasn't really, but it really took Film. the world. By. Yeah, and the whole, you know, people just went mad for it, didn't they? Dressing up and the Mamma Mia musical. All the and songs the songs and Pierce Brosnan. Yeah, and yeah. yeah. I
1: I was like you. I wasn't, I wasn't caught a big up fan. in it. Yeah, no. people
2: do love it though, don't they? They adored. My sister, I think, was queuing for the tickets for the musical. Oh, my God. No, no, I have to say no, that's not me. But anyway, you're listening to The Late Lunch. Text us on 86 658 We're going to take a quick break, but we'll be back after this. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors, Drahada Dundalk, and Cavan. Welcome back to The Late Lunch. We're on the home stretch now. You can text us though on 086 658. Earlier on, um, we got a caller in looking for an SOS. She was really hoping we could find some fans somewhere because there seems to be a shortage of fans and buckets and spades and all. And uh, Anne quite kindly sent us in a photograph of a fan. We could all do with that now. It, from Rooney's home value store in Kells. So thanks for that, Anne. Uh, keep the text coming in, though. 086-1800-658. It's the late lunch with me, Alison O'Reilly. Of course, the lovely Louise is here to help us well. <laughs> Guiding me through the storm. Um, so a thoughtful referee kept a 12-month-old promise to ke- to himself when he gave away his jersey to a GAA mad fan to add to his massive collection over, over 200 sports tops. Now, this is eight-year-old... Tom Lynch, who suffers with a very rare genetic condition, and is a huge fan of Ballinlock GAA Club. Um, his mother, Nikki, is on the line, and the referee, Keith Sheeran, is uh, joining us now in late lunch. Hello to both of you.
6: Hello, Alison. Hi, Alison. How
2: are I'm you welcome. keeping? Oh, thanks a million for joining us. Nikki, I'll start with you because the man at the moment is Tom, of course, who's got this huge <laughs> collection of sports tops. 200!
6: He has. He is just, it doesn't matter what club it is or he just loves collecting the jerseys
2: Wow, so that's fantastic yeah, and does. why does he love Ballinock that's the local one obviously
6: that's the local that's the local club yes so it is so I presume it, all, it would have all started there so it would have had and as they got going to different games and he seen other teams that had their jerseys and he says god now that's a nice one I want that one and I'll have that one and so that's where it came from. He just started collecting them then, so he did.
2: And uh, what's the room like? Are they like pinned oh, to the wall? No, or?
6: It, we had some hanging on the wall and we had some in boxes. And But he knows exactly
2: where they are. So he oh, knows. yeah. I was going to say yeah. that. There's no, no chance of hiding any.
6: There's not no, and he remembers. Yeah, he remembers every one of them. So he does. Yeah, he does. And then when they get too small for him, we have to go again. Oh, you know, get the next size. So you get the upgrade. <laughs> so okay, we get the upgrade. We do. We do. No, so,
2: <laughs> this little lad is—he's wheelchair bound. He's got a very rare is. genetic condition. Tell us about it. He us. has.
6: Yeah, yeah. He's eight now, so he is. And we got diagnosed there when he was six Right. that he has a rare genetic disorder. Um, that um, it just affects his muscles, the energy to his muscles is just not there nice. and it'll never be there and it'll never come um, and as time goes by he will get weaker okay. but it's a very slow progressive disorder and um, so he's wheelchair bound now but like he's very happy He yeah. he's after getting a new powered wheelchair there in February and that is just fantastic for him he can come and go as he pleases and he's not relying on myself or Derek to be to push him everywhere now so
2: oh so he's uh, he knows his own mind he's fairly independent
6: yeah he is he is yeah definitely and is
2: he your only baby Nikki?
6: no I have an older girl Lucy and an older boy Charlie oh they
2: have to get a mention yes her oh absolutely (laughs) (laughs) and did they all get on very well
6: they do, they do. Oh, they do. They're very good to him. Yeah, yeah. they do get on great. Yeah, himself and Charlie get on
2: great. Oh, so they do. So I can imagine his face when he got this jersey. Keith, Keith Sheeran is the referee. You're on the line. How are you?
7: Hi, Alex. How's it going? How are you well?
2: Tell me why you decided to do this. This is a lovely gesture.
7: <laughs> I suppose uh Tom just stuck in, stuck in my mind. I remember the last time I, I refereed Balloch. It was over 12 months ago. It was actually a game in Dunderry and he just stuck, he just stuck in my mind, and I, I uh, you know, it ha- he has been in the back of my mind mm. ever since. Yeah. I talking to him and, and a few of the guys there from Ballinock, and they were saying that he's mad into his jerseys, mm. and, uh, you know, it's taken me a year to referee Ballinock for whatever reason, but uh, I kind of made a little promise to myself to make sure to bring a jersey. I yeah. didn't know what kind of reception I'd get. Yeah. The referee's jersey, I'm sure it's not everyone's cup of tea, but I just said, yeah, he just, it's just, listen, just even listen to Nicky there talking about him, it's, mm. it's, it's fantastic. He's a hero. He's an absolute hero and it's Aww. a smile on his face. You know, like and for me, this is what she is all about. Yeah, it yeah. Really is.
2: No, it's a know, lovely, it's a lovely thing to do. It really is. And I, I, you know, I really do appreciate people who remember things and remember to do these things as well. It means so much to children.
7: It's little things. It's 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 little things, you know, it's mm. uh, kids, like as, as a father of three small kids myself, mm. they remember the small things. It's not the, it's, it's not the big the big holidays or, or the fancy no. things, the little things they remember, you know. And, and, you know, as I said, he's been in the back of his mind ever since, and, and he continues to be, you know, because oh. as I said, he's he's a hero, an absolute hero.
2: Oh, it's a lovely thing to do. Nikki, what was the reaction like when you got the jersey? Oh, Jenny Mac, when Susan <laughs> rang us, um,
6: she be the secretary of Ballin' Lock's team. Then um, Keith get, uh, met Tom a year ago and gave him his uh, referee book, and mm. I said, God, I hope she's not looking for a back. <laughs> and, um, but no, it was, uh, you know, he was saying that Keith remembered Tom and I said, now we're going down to meet Keith and give the reference. Like he was just, all sure, every five minutes he was asking, is it time to go yet? Is it time to go yet? Yeah. And we went down, got the jersey, Keith is Keith a gentleman and he came home and he slept in it that night, couldn't get oh. off him. Oh, <laughs> so that's thought, lovely. Yeah, that's lovely. Goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Tom, do you want to say hello to Keith? No, he won't say hello. He's, not got, he's got a <laughs> stage fright
2: now. After all that, right now,
6: after all that, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But well, like it, is, as Keith says, it's little things like that, mm. and it's little things like that. Like for me and Derek, you know, to mm. see the smile that mm. that put on Tom's face because mm. he's just—that's all he has—is football. Yeah. Because he's so limited in what he can do, mm. and football is, you know, is his life, and it's gestures like that that Keith does is just fantastic sort it is.
2: And can I can I just ask you about his condition uh, a bit more Nikki? Um is this a life limiting condition or is it uh, something that'll be manageable?
6: Well, it's it's not life threatening so okay. it's not allison. You yeah. know, um it's a very slow progressive disease right. um, like we might not see a change in time maybe maybe for 10 years. Okay. You know, um, now he will always need care, so he will Um, you know, now he he does go to his local mainstream school, he has his FNA, they're very good to him there Mm -hmm. and he loves the kids and he learns everything, so Mm -hmm. he does. Um, But, um, you know, it's, it's sometimes you, know, you do come up with difficulties in life. You know, with mm-hmm. you know, even out and about in daily life, with them, um, you yeah. realise God the struggle of it.
2: Mm-hmm.
6: So it is even the likes of getting to shop, Somebody there could be just death and no ramp, and that's it. We, I know.
2: We, we, we isn't that things. isn't that a huge thing in this country at the moment?
6: It yeah, it's a big thing, and we were actually we were just back from holidays there in Sligo, and we really noticed and um, how limited it is for mm-hmm. wheelchair users. So it is, especially nearly power chairs because you can't, you know, you can't tilt these chairs to push them up it or anything mm-hmm. like that. You can't lift the chair to carry them up the steps or anything like that.
2: Yeah, we're but so behind I mean, on, about, uh, yeah, um, we're very behind, aren't we, with dis- yeah, dis- disabilities, yeah. intellectual, uh, the whole lot. Yeah, I mean, all across the board, all
6: round. Yeah, across mm-hmm. the board. Yeah, all round. Definitely is. Yeah, definitely is.
2: Yeah, and awesome. uh, but but uh, look, I mean, he's he's an absolute joy, isn't he? I mean, oh, he's fantastic. He takes it all I'm in his so stride. Happy.
6: It does. It's all in a stride and goes with it all. wants to be in the middle of it all, which is great. Mm-hmm. So it does. But it's just little things, like, as I say, that Keith done there is just, for me and Derek, is huge. Yes. So it is, you know, that he's, and he's always included in everything and Ballin Loch include him in everything. He yeah. goes to his football training on a Monday evening and they're fantastic with him. So That's
2: there. brilliant. And, and Keith, I suppose, how, how does it feel, Keith, when you when you hear this reaction?
7: Uh, I have to be honest uh, I'm actually quite emotional just listening to Nicky mm-hmm, there mm-hmm. because as I said before as a father as a father of three small kids you know uh, yeah it's just it's, it's it's quite emotional it's only a small thing it's uh, but it's a, you know it's put a smile on his face you know and,
2: but it's and not so. a small thing Keith it's no, not no. it's a huge huge thing that's a memory you're after creating yeah, yeah, I couldn't get upset yeah, yeah. myself now that's yeah,
7: it, it <laughs> is, it's only it <laughs> <things, it's laughs> really a small thing for me to do it's, it's, you know and that, that's what it is and that's what as I said already, that's what, for me, the GA is all about, mm. you know, and, uh, and sometimes that's lost, sometimes that's lost. But I, like, I just have to mention Banlock as well mm. on, on how good they are as a club, and Susan in particular, and how they include Tom and in everything they do—it's—it's it's, it's just incredible. It's absolutely—it's so
2: important. Yeah. It is Definitely a not. really yeah. important thing to do because uh, children are so resilient, and they oh, want to be involved, and they don't yeah. want to feel different because they're not. You know, I mean, no. they've—he's no, got yeah. a disability, but you yeah. know, life goes on, and he wants yeah. to be included. Yeah. So absolutely. it's very important. I know that kids are fantastic. Mm. They
6: include him in everything. They. Yeah. Don't see the chair. They just see Tom. Yes, so they do, and they're very good. So, and
2: yeah. Nikki, isn't that the great thing about kids? They just oh, don't see that, that they, stuff. Yeah,
6: they don't see that. They don't see that. They just see Tom, mm. and and include him in everything, and it's great. So yeah, yeah.
2: I mean, and Keith, how's the GAA refereeing going?
7: It's going well. It's yeah. I'm I'm enjoying it. I'm loving it. I've a uh, I have a serious passion for for refereeing GAA in particular, but refereeing definitely and. Uh, you know, I'm no different than any other team, whether it's Lock or anyone. You know, mm. I want to see how far I can go with this. You know, yeah. same as the championship starting in a couple in a couple of weeks' time. You know, and and I'm ready to go and see how far I can push it. And uh, yeah, I want the big players out the same as any other any, any team. I work as hard as, as any player out there to get into the condition I'm in to, to to push and see how far I can go. Yeah, brilliant stuff. That.
2: Great stuff. Well, look, Nikki Lynch, who's the mum of this superstar and your two other babies as well. And mm-hmm. Keith Sheeran, the referee, who was so generous with that and he created a wonderful memory for Tom. Thanks very much for joining us here on The Late Lunch. Thank so much. thanks guys well look we've come to the end of the show and <laughs> a bit emotional after that now that was a lovely story um, I'd love to hear from you all tomorrow we'll be back at half past one and we'll have the Irish producer of the Irish of the hit reality show The Osbournes on and we're also going to hear about how a duck was put into a wheelchair that cost €1500 Euro after he was attacked by a dog I think it's an incredible story so come back to us tomorrow and uh, Eddie's on the way talk to you then
0: The late lunch with Blackstone Motors, Drogheda, Dundalk, and Cavan. We have the biggest range of light commercials in the Northeast with same-day business finance, so let our van specialist, Danny, find a commercial vehicle to suit your requirements. See blackstonemotors.ie.
4: Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot,